Well, it's good to see everyone this morning. I'm excited about the series we're in right now called the, the Commission. Everyone say that with me, the Commission. Today I want to talk about the real Bible Jesus, an invitation. We have the greatest, I, I got to get your undivided attention before I even go and say this because I don't want to waste my breath. You ready? We have the greatest mission out of any organization on the face of the earth. About 12 of you believe that. We have the greatest mission on the face of the earth, greater than any organization on the face of the earth. You think, listen, you think Apple's got something going on? You think Amazon's got something going on? GE, Ford, Mopar, it doesn't matter. Their stuff is temporary. Our mission is eternal. It's the greatest mission on the face of the earth. We need to act like it. We need to believe it. We need to receive it. We need to walk in it. It is the greatest. That's why Jesus called it the Great Commission. Last week I talked about, uh, because before the Great Commission, before the Commission, we talked about a series on the promise, the Holy Spirit. And after that, I felt like the Holy Spirit just nicely throat punched me and says, hey, I'm not a series that you could ever be done with me. I'm not done with you. You need me in the commission. I'm the co in the commission. I'm the go in the go when it comes to the commission. I'm the power that empowers you to go and do all that God's called you to do in the great commission. So we're never done with the series on the Holy Spirit. We're never going to be done with him. He's with us. He wants to work through you, fill you, ongoing fill you. I've said this many times. I'll say it again this morning. If you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I did not say water. Don't be confused. Salvation, water baptism, baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the one that baptizes in the Holy Spirit and fire. And if you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire, you need to be, period. Right. Without the Holy Spirit, you and I and the church will end up as a religious organization. We don't want to be. Jesus didn't come to form another religious organization. With the Holy Spirit, we are a passionate, personal, relational, pursuing organism of Jesus Christ. There's a big difference. Organization over an organism, and we need the Holy Spirit. God wants to touch our life, every one of us, when it comes to the Great Commission, the Commission, the Commission, the Commission. Some of us, we go to the movies. Anybody go to the movies? Raise your hand if you go to the movies. Honestly, don't lie in church. You go to the movies, raise your hand. And you get moved upon, you may cry, you may get passion, you may get angry. Uh, all kind of emotions come forth out of the movies. And then you walk out of the movies after paying $2,200 and then you're not changed. You had all these emotions. 
and you didn't change a lick. Is that what you do in church? Do you get moved upon by the Holy Spirit? Touch, cry, convicted, worship, and through the word of God, and then you walk out unchanged? I'm praying this morning that that would not be the case. The church is not the regal. We're not a movie theater just to move on your emotions. The Holy Spirit here is here to bring eternal change. And I just want to pray that way this morning. Put your hand on your heart. They pray a lot in that church. We do. We need to pray more. It's the fire room. It's the engine room of the church. So, Father, we just say this morning, come on, make sure you're praying with me. Say it with me. Change me. Come on, say it now with conviction. Change me. Change me. Grow me. Have your way with me. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Did you fake, did you fake that prayer? Did you fake that prayer? Did you fake putting your hand on there and praying that just... Okay, good. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Here we go. The Great Commission is not an option to be considered. It is a command to be obeyed. Hudson Taylor, just follow those up there. Just follow with me right there. Next one, please. Any church that is not seriously involved in helping fulfill the Great Commission has fortified its biblical right to exist. You have one business on earth. You thought it was your business. You thought it was what you did. You have one business on earth. Save souls. Don Wesley. The church that does not evangelize will fossilize. Osra J. Smith. It's just stunning to watch churches struggle to get mission statement when there it is. The Great Commission, and they should simply do what it says. The Great Commission. Our mission statement here is to be a people after God's own heart. Let that sink in. And the first way that we feel like we're going to do that is know God. We feel like Honestly, over the weekend, that's one of our primary purposes, to know God. For you and I to know God, for those who walk in here for the first time that's never known God, to know God. So wherever you're coming from today, we want you to know God, know him closer, intimately to know God. But what is the Great Commission? You know, I've been preaching for decades and I make an assumption a lot that people just know what things are in the Bible, but it's not true. What is the Great Commission? Let me, let me read one of the Great Commissions out of the book of, of Mark. It's one of the Gospels. There's only one Gospel, but there's four Gospel books all kind of articulating the story of Jesus through a different writer. But we all have the same author, and his name is God. Mark 16, 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I had a friend one time or acquaintance, uh, his, his name was Chavez. 
and he was in, in uh, I think it was in India, and the Lord told him to preach the gospel to this hillside of gorillas, and he's like, I must not be here in the Holy Spirit. Why would I ever preach the gospel to the hillside of gorillas? And uh, he began to preach the gospel to the hillside of gorillas, and all these natives come from behind the hill, who was, I think, back there washing clothes and gave their life to Jesus Christ. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. What do you think go means? Go means exactly what the heck you think it means. I don't need to get all Greek or Hebrew on you. It means go. It means to traverse. It means to especially move. It means to depart. It means to go. Come on, journey, walk. As you go, wherever you go, whenever you're in the go, whatever you're doing on the go, you preach the gospel. We're going to get into preaching in just a minute. Jesus tells them to go. Tell your neighbor right there, say go. Now tell yourself, go. Motion is lotion and action is traction. You need to go. The more you go, the more traction you're going to get when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then it says, go, go where? Go into all the world. What is the world? Cosmos. What, is the, what does that mean? I, I go into all the world and preach the gospel. I think it really means whatever world you're in that you preach the gospel in. It could be the main street. I was talking to Nathan the other day. One of the main streets in Hong Kong, the name of it is Nathan. Can you imagine that? All the other, you know, roads around is like, who, Kashanke. But we have Nathan, right, coming out of Hong Kong, right? All the way from Nathan in Hong Kong to my buddy lives on Chicken Dinner Road in southern Idaho <laughs> to the city square where I cut my teeth on one-on-one -on -one preaching in Arcata, California, to Appleway, Coeur d'Alene, come on, to San Pedro Sula, uh, to you name it, all the way uh, to, to Goodyear, where we planted our first church, Goodyear, Arizona. I tell you, on Radine and I's honeymoon, we were in Seattle, and this guy was just preaching. He would preach so much, he would throw a cassette tape in and just keep preaching. This brother was preaching, and it stirs up some stuff. It brings great hope to those who's ready to receive the good news. But I tell you what, it stirs up demons. Demons hate the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the power of God to salvation. And there was a woman there in the city square, and she was just had a had glass in her hand, and she was shredding her arms. I'm not talking about scratches. I'm talking about meat hanging, drenched with blood. Why this guy preached the gospel? That's the power in the message of Jesus Christ. It's more powerful than any business or any model that you can think of. It changes life. It stirs up demons. It saves life. It heals life. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach. Why preach? Why would a real estate agent preach the gospel? Why would a doctor preach this gospel? Why would a coach at LCH or Coeur d'Alene High or wherever, or a student, why would they preach the gospel? Why would a senator preach 
the gospel, maybe a city administrator or a medical administrator or a social worker or a soccer player or an NFL football player, business owner, someone waiting tables. Why would they preach the gospel? Why would you preach the gospel? It may, it may impact your name. You could maybe lose your job. I got a friend in the church here who lost his job from sharing the gospel and inviting people to church. Why would you preach the gospel? Well, I'm going to tell you why you preach the gospel. Because when you preach the gospel, folks will get saved. (laughs) Folks will get saved. If you preach the gospel, folks will get saved. Their life will be changed for eternity when you preach the gospel. That's the power of the God. What does the preach mean? It means the herald to proclaim especially divine truth. When you preach divine truth, People will be changed. Their lives will be changed. They will get saved. So glad someone preached the gospel to me when I didn't want to hear it, when I wanted to hit them right in the mouth. They preached the gospel to me. Listen to what the Bible says about preaching the gospel. Romans 10, 8 through 10. But What does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Say that with me. Which we preach. J.O., I don't preach the gospel. I'm believing for a little click on the dial that something will happen in your heart that you will. I've had people said in class that I teach lostology and they say, I've never preached the gospel. Good. This class is, ex- is especially for you because we make preaching the gospel such a supernatural, humongous jump. It's like, who could ever take that step whenever that's not that's not the way that the gospel's preached, man. I tell you what, it just, God wants you to talk about the gospel like you talk about Green Bay, or you talk about the Rams, or you talk about the 49ers, or you talk about cooking chicken, or the restaurant you like to eat at. He wants you to talk about the gospel in a very, very natural, a supernatural gospel in a natural way where people can receive it. But we think we got to get all religious and crazy with it. We get so fearful about it whenever God wants to work through you in a very natural way. He goes on to say that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth uh, confession is made unto salvation. And it all takes place when someone takes action and shares the gospel, everything changes. When you preach, it releases faith. 
<laughs> when you preach, I don't care who you are. I don't care. You don't even have to be saved for just a couple of minutes. Just preach the gospel. It releases faith in the hearts of people. You want some good, fresh blood in your church where people just get radically saved and they don't know they're not supposed to preach the gospel. They just preach the gospel. When you preach, it plants supernatural seeds in the hearts of the hearer. They will believe and can be saved from you preaching the gospel. God teams with you and I in preaching the gospel, the good news. Preaching causes salvations. From unbelief to seeds of faith unto believing. There's not a person in this room, I don't care if even if you did not, was not able to speak, you could do sign language and lives and hearts would be changed because the word of God alters the hearts and minds of people. The, the purpose of the church is the great commission. I know you think it's just so you get the fuzzy fuzzies when you come into worship. That's not the purpose. I want you to experience the presence of God. I wanted to, you to experience the Holy Spirit, living water, all those things that brings life. But that's not the primary purpose. The primary pers- purpose is not our programs. It's not our potlucks. It's not church politics. It's not even a building. It's not even a new campus, though God will use all of those things. It's not rather you like the music high, low, or you drive Nathan crazy back there because they can't figure out, do we go high or low? That's not the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church is the Great Commission, to fulfill the Great Commission. We're called, listen to me real good, We're called to exalt God, you and I. We're called to preach the gospel, fulfill the great commission. So, J.O., is it to exalt God, fulfill the great commission, preach the gospel? Yes. It's all of those things. When we lift up Jesus in thanksgiving, praise, and worship, when we bring a sacrifice of praise, when we live our life, as the Bible says, as a sacrifice, we exalt God. What greater way, listen, listen, listen. What greater way for you to exalt God than to fulfill the Great Commission? You, if, you, if you have ways, email them to me. Because I don't know any other way to exalt God any greater than fulfill the Great Commission. The whole Bible, Genesis to Revelation, is about the Great Commission. It all is leading up to Jesus stepping out of heaven. God stepping as a man, living, dying for you and I, resurrected. All the letters, everything points to the story of our hero, and his name is Jesus Christ, and it's the great commission that he wants us to carry on. I remember working, I worked at Babe's Place. I was a bouncer at one of the first bars in Moorhead, Kentucky, and it was, it was a rowdy place. When you mix college students and you mix, mix locals and you just 
became a wet county. You're like, what's a wet county, J.O.? They get a lot of rain. Well, you don't know out west, wet counties is a, is a county that was dry of alcohol until they voted and it became wet. And all of a sudden, the county is now wet selling alcohol. I'm in one of the first bars called Babe's Place. I'm bouncing in the back door and after after we'd go down to Hardy's. Anybody ever heard of Hardy's before? Hardy's a little, you know, fast food restaurant back in the day before I knew all that stuff would kill you. You know what I'm saying? And you go, you go down there and you're in Hardy's, right? And, and if you eat Hardy's, God bless you. I'm just saying it, in fact, it, it, it impacts you when you're 58, right? And all of a sudden, you know, Roland comes in, Roland, a big African-American dude. And he looks at me, he's like, uh, what do you think about the gospel? Big guy. break your neck like a chicken bone, man. You know what? It brought great conviction in my heart. Great conviction. The kid running through the Bon Jovi concert, stick a track on my chest. I go to the dorm and read it the next day, and I'm crying in my dorm room. When the gospel's preached, the guy dragging across through Moorhead State University preaching the gospel, those handing out Bibles that I wanted to hit. Every time I heard the gospel, those seeds were planted in my heart and my life was impacted. Though I got angry at times, though I did not want to hear it, though I did not want to feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, the gospel was still impacting my life in a big way. I think I remember every time someone preached the gospel to me. Let's talk for a minute Jesus' backup plan to the Great Commission. Jesus has plan A. What is Jesus' plan B when it comes to the Great Commission? He has none. There is no plan B. Stop waiting for plan B. There's only plan one. Sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus equips 12, he called disciples, and he sends them out. Luke 9, 1 through 2. And then he called his 12 disciples together, and he gave them power over authority and authority over all demons. Do you know you have that power and authority? If you stink and believe it, and not let fear work against you. You have power and authority over all the demons of hell and nothing shall by any means harm you, but you got to operate in your God-given authority. Gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Man, everywhere Jesus went, he preached the kingdom of God and was healing the sick. That's the heart of the Father right there. Everywhere he went, Jesus went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil, and God was with everywhere Jesus went. It was about the gospel, eternal life, and it was about having good health here in this life. He sends out 12 and then he sends out 70. Look what it says, Luke 10, 1. 
And after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also, and he sent them out two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. He sent out 12, he sent out 70. This is a scripture where I just spoke about where it says God's given you authority over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means harm you. That's in that Luke passage. Also in that Luke passage is the disciples coming back. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. They said that, and, and that was a good thing. God used them mightily, cast out demons and so forth and so on. But he says, hey, you just be thankful that your name is written in the book of life. When it comes down to it, the main ingredient is that people are saved and their name is written in the book of life. So the question today is why not? Why don't you preach the gospel? Jail, how, 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 how do you know I don't? I, I don't. But in a group like this, from the classes that I've done, probably a great percentage in this room don't. Why don't we preach the gospel, go to the nations, share with a friend, share with a family member, share with a coworker? What is it? So I wrote down, hi, Don. Good to see you guys. God bless you. I wrote down four possibilities that maybe the reason why you and I maybe not preach the gospel. Can I share those four possibilities with you today? Maybe four possibilities. Four possibilities. Let me, let me, let me mention them to you, and then I'm going to go through them uh, and just talk about each one of them real quickly, uh, or maybe not quickly. We'll see what the Holy Spirit does. Number one, the lack of knowledge kind of a thing. Number two, it is a lack of courage and grit. Number three, the lack of worthiness or worth feeling of unworthiness or unworthy. Number four, is it a lack of heart and value? Before I go into all four of these, first of all, if you preach the gospel, obviously I'm not talking to you. Just be encouraged. But if there's a place in your room of your heart to grow in this area of sharing the gospel, then, then receive this today. I, there may be other reasons, but I just kind of like seeking God. It's like, God, what are the reasons why your church doesn't preach the gospel? So let's look at the knowledge thing for a minute. Knowledge. Let me make sure that you know every person underneath my breath that you know as a believer, when you sign up and say yes to Jesus, when you said yes to Jesus as Lord of your life, you said yes to the great commission. It's not like you can say, I say yes to Jesus, Savior, and thank you for getting me into heaven, Jesus. But, you know, I'm going to keep it right there. I'm going to keep it real low, right? Just sneak me into heaven. I'm good. Now, that, that's, that, that, that's not how it goes. You say yes to Jesus, 
you say yes to the Great Commission. What is the Great Commission? Well, I'm not going to read them all today, but I, I, I put them all on one page so that you can see Jesus wants you to know, if you'll put that up, Jesus wants you to know the Great Commission, okay? You'll find it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. Jesus wants you to know out of the first five books of the Bible of the New Testament, you'll read to some great degree the Great Commission in there. Now, two of them that we love to camp out on, which is beautiful, is Matthew and Mark. I read Matthew, um, I read Mark today, and Matthew talks about going in, making disciples, Luke, John, and Acts. If you look at those right there, if it is a knowledge issue, and you're like, I, J.L., I just didn't know I was supposed to preach the gospel. Well, now you stink and know. Now you know. You can't get up to the pearly gates and Peter's like, hey, hey, hey. I didn't know, Peter. Oh, yeah, you did. That bald-headed crazy preacher told you. I was there. I was there. Holy Ghost was there. He told you, you read it. You go do it. Now you know. You've been well-educated and you have general knowledge and now it's up to you, obey or disobey. Fair? Number two, fear, lack of courage and grit. Hey, I'm with you. I've been there. I remember preaching on the streets of Arcata, California. You've never been there. Whoo. And sometimes I say, I'm going to go pick the baddest looking, meanest dude out here. And I'm going to start with him first. And then he would be nice. And this little acid wash hippie couple would be lethal, man. Like they want to kill me. Tie-dye meant to say. Acid wash. It could have been acid wash too back in the, in the 80s. You know what I'm saying? Now acid wash is back in. Even though I don't like it, it's back in, I guess. I meant to say tie-dye. Tie-dyed. Acid dropping hippies, baby. I tell you what. You better know the gospel. They're peaceful until you say Jesus. <laughs> it ain't so peaceful after that, baby. Tell you that right now. We've all been faced with it, you guys. Like, am I going to lose a, you know, I'm going to lose a friend. Am I going to lose a customer if I share Jesus Christ? You know, it's, hey, we all, we all deal with this thing called fear. You know, Paul speaks to Timothy, a believer. God didn't give you a spirit of fear. I don't even like using that scripture because you've heard it so stinking many times. You're like, yep, whatever. God did not, heart of the city church, you, give you a spirit, which is a spirit, which is a spirit. He did not give you a spirit of fear. So what do you do with fear, J.O.? I say you do everything to get rid of it. You bind it, you fight it, 
You get delivered of it. You declare it. You run at Goliath. You do whatever it takes, but don't allow fear to control your life and sharing when you know that God is like, hey, 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 Dakota, man, I'm telling you, Dakota, you need to share. You know what I'm saying? Because when we're all sharing, it's going to change people's lives. It's going to change the world around us. It's going to change politics. It changes everything when people get saved. Can you imagine a born-again president running our nation? Spirit-filled, water-baptized, baptized in the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. I mean, that's life. That is game-changers. So Joshua, you know, only be strong and very courageous. <laughs> only be strong and very courageous. J.O., you, you, you just do it because you're an evangelist. And I go, it's, I don't do what I do because I'm an evangelist. I do what I do because I'm a Jesus follower. And I did this before I was ever a pastor, before I was ever on staff, before I, you know, my first legitimate date with Ray Dean was I took her on the streets of Arcata. on the city square, preaching the gospel. I mean, what a great date. I mean, you better know this is my life. This is what we do. This is how it rolls, right? Judges 6.12, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. That's what you need to know. You need to, Gideon, who struggled massively with fear, listen to me. God just looked at him. Hey, hey, yo, 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 yo. But I'm with you. But I'm with you. This is what you need to know when it comes to the Great Commission. We need to take back ground. This generation's lost ground. They can't even spell the Great Commission. We got to take back ground and be the church, the rock, the lethal weapon that God wants us to be in this day and time to take back ground for Jesus Christ. Number three, J.O., I just can't do it. J.O., I'm not worthy. Join the army of the unworthy and the not so skilled. Do you, do you ever think I feel worthy to preach the gospel? Do you think I feel worthy to preach on the weekends? It's not because I'm worthy. We're none worthy. I'm the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So I know I can step out of the boat and, and get her done because God's with me. And it's not about me being worthy. It's not even about me being skilled. Come on, God wants to use you. When you are weak, then he is strong. Come on, somebody. Stumble all over your words. It doesn't matter. Those words will penetrate the heart of the hearer, and their lives could be forever changed. That dad gets radically saved. Come on, somebody. Tell him, Tina. Come on, 40 years. Whatever, whoever you are, stumble all over your word. You think I try to articulate everything perfectly when I preach? No. No! Articulate white folks drive me crazy. You gotta articulate everything perfectly. You don't have to be white, whatever color you are. But I'm just saying. 
I just kind of call myself tan. You know what I'm saying? God uses the underdogs. Jay, are you for real? The Bible is nothing but underdogs. The New Testament, the disciples, Paul, you underdogs. He's for the underdog. He's for us. Look what the Bible says. First Corinthians 1, 26 through 29. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many of you according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things of the mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised. God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things which are that no flesh should glory in its presence. If you're all big and bad and you got all your poop in a group and everything's perfect, where does God get the glory? Where's God get the glory? No, he'll take a jacked up dude, bouncer, messed up, depressed, anxious, panic stricken, can't even talk in business class. And he'll touch him with the power of God and the Holy Spirit. And he gets all the glory because he knows I'm nothing but a donkey. He gets all the glory. Let me, let me show you. There's a lot of firsts in the Bible that are beautiful and powerful. The firstborn is God. The first lamb is God. But I, have you ever noticed who God uses? Huh? Have you ever noticed who God uses in the Bible? We hear first, 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 and that's wonderful, man. My firstborn grandsons are great. But let me show you a pattern for a minute in the Bible for those who feel like an underdog and that God doesn't want to use you. You ready? Abel's sacrifice over Cain, young over the older. Isaac, younger over Ishmael. Jacob, the younger over Esau. Joseph favored over 11 older brothers. David favored over all the older brothers. Come on, somebody. God wants to use you. There's a guy named, here, here Israel's getting ready to pray for Ephraim and, and Manasseh, and, and he does this. Joseph like cranks his hands. No, no, no. Jo Isaiah, I mean, Israel says, I know what I'm doing. He puts his right hand on the younger and prays for him over the older. He's for the underdog. Jesus, whatever good could ever come out of Nazareth. Nothing could good come out of Nazareth. Where's Jesus from? Out of Nazareth. So if you're an underdog today, God's for you. He wants to use you. If you're wise and everything, hey, just know that you're in the higher percentage of the church. God bless you. God bless you. You're in the higher percentage of the church. Because most of us are foolish. Underdogs. Fearful. Ragamuffins. And God gets the glory whenever Gideon wipes out the army. Because nobody, there's no way Gideon's going to do it. My last one is this one, the, the, probably the most important, number four. Lack of heart and value. You lack heart. Give me a Rudy any day of the week. Give me a Rudy, baby. Give me a Rudy that takes it. He 
fights, he plays injured. If you've never seen Rudy, you should go see the movie Rudy because you don't even know what I'm talking about. But give me a Rudy any day because you may look good. There's nothing wrong with looking good. Don't, don't get me wrong. You may drive the sickest car and great talker. You know how to make money, open businesses, live in a mansion, which is, listen to me real good, which is all great. unless you never share the hope of Christ in you, then I think there's a problem. Man, I think God wants to bless you. But people, tell, tell somebody, tell somebody why you're blessed. Listen to what Deuteronomy 8.18 says. You may wonder why you have wealth. You may wonder why God's favored and blessed you. Let me give you one reason why I think God favors you and blesses you. And you shall remember the Lord your God. That's important. Don't forget him. Don't forget where you came from. For it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. Why? That he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers. And it is this day. He wants to use it to further the gospel and the covenant of Jesus Christ. I speak to heart and values today. Maybe you know and you're bold and you're very confident, but the problem is filming. You have a sick heart and a sick value system. All I got to do is watch what a person does. Not listen to their mouth, but watch what they do. And I will know their values. A man does what he values, and he values what he does. So if you have a sick heart and a sick value system, Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake. Lord, have your way in me. God, change my value system and change my heart. My wife read the scripture this, this week. It was beautiful in our 12 noon prayer. Walk in the wisdom of God as you live before the unbelievers and make it your duty to make him known. Let me close with this scripture, Titus 3, 5 through 6. Not by works of righteousness which you have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Isn't, it, isn't that wonderful? He didn't save you because you're cute. He didn't save you because you had it together. It was because of his mercy he saved us. And he goes on to say, through the washing and regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. That regeneration means rebirth, spiritual renovation, messianic restoration. Why do you say that, J.O.? Because when it comes, listen, look, 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 look at me. When it comes to the Great Commission, I think you need a rebirthing of a rebirthing. 
been sitting in church 40 years. When's the last time you told anybody about Jesus? You need a rebirthing of the rebirthing. You need the first love fire again. First love fire again. Like, become a Jesus freak again. Amen. Let me pray that. Father, we don't want to be a good movie where we come and get touched and get excited and get teary-eyed and get moved on, even convicted, and then walk away the same. Father, I pray that you would move by the power of your Holy Spirit in here today and change lives. Restores, regenerate us, renew us, rebirthing our rebirthing. Light the fire again. Let us be families, listen, listen, families, husbands, wives, children, singles, known as people of the Great Commission, <laughs> the greatest mission on the face of the earth, in Jesus' name.